This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3469 for Thursday the 18th of November 2021. Today's show is entitled, Linux in Laws S01E43, The Great Battle or Not and is part of the series, Linux in Laws, it is hosted by Monochrome, and is about 69 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, The Great Battle, nor not. This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever fancies you tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mom! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back in an open plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusty guide dog, unless on speed, and QT Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. Welcome to Linux In-Laws Season 1 Episode 43. The Great Battle or Not. Martin, how are things? Oh, very much looking forward to tonight. Excellent. We, we have our, our, our dear friend from, from Redis Days with us. To Speaking of which, yes. Interesting discussion around. In, indeed. But before data, we go into, into the battle cases. mode. Battle maybe, mode, okay. Yes. Maybe, maybe David should introduce himself. David, over to you. Yeah. I mean, I'm an old friend, right? Me and Thomas are, are... Well, we're already kind of part of this podcast as guests. <laughs> One of the grumpy old chorus, exactly. Uh, yeah, yes. exactly. And uh, yeah, uh, introducing myself, I guess the reason why Christoph asked me to join this is because I, I worked for some database companies in the past. So, or yeah, for instance, Ingress as a relational database system, Vendor, then for a small graph database startup, then for Couchbase as a document database vendor. And uh, now I'm uh, working quite a lot with Redis Labs uh, as a, as the vendor of, uh, uh, let's say, a real-time data platform, uh, whatever. And uh, <laughs> I'm also having, I'm also having a little uh, consultancy company in, in Germany, uh, which is well, called NoSQL Geeks, right? And full disclosure, Redis Labs is the place where we all met initially before Martin defected to something called. Martin, you could. Oh, sorry. Pluck, um, yes. You could bright, pluck bright, bright, lights, bright lights. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Okay. Indeed. Richard, if you're listening, the address is sponsor at linuxinlaws.eu. <laughs> okay, guys. The idea behind tonight is actually to shed a little bit of light on the history of both cams in terms of where SQL is coming from, where no SQL is coming from. Full disclosure, Martin, before joining Redis Labs, was kind of old school and worked for a company called Enterprise DB. But maybe, Martin, you want to shed some light on this stint in your life, too. 
Well, it's uh, it's more than it is. Never mind the Oracle period. Yes, a stint. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, I have been working with databases ever since uh, I started working. In fact, um, after uni, that is. So uh, mainly, well, as you mentioned, Oracle, um, and then uh, in later years, Postgres and Associated Fringe. So why don't you? Why did you actually then consider a NoSQL database employer? Well, there are obviously advantages to um, lots of different technologies, right? So, and I think uh, uh, not foregoing, foregoing any conclusions. <laughs> I think the conclusion, of course, that money be that money. there is a uh, a database for everything. And money didn't have anything to do with it. With it, of course. Uh, no, no, we don't get paid for these. Of course, of, of course. Not. Okay, guys. Now after the intro round, maybe each and every one of you could could give a little bit of an historic breakdown of actually where the particular technology came from. Let's start with let's start with you, Martin. Where does the SQL come from? Feel free to go back to well, mainframe times if you have to. Okay, so SQL is actually a language, as in structured query language. So um if you talk about SQL versus NoSQL, I mean there is also um there's two different definitions of NoSQL, which probably um, uh, David will pick up on. But um, uh, where do these things come from? Well, there was a, uh, for those of you who studied uh, good science, you're probably familiar with Michael Stonebreaker. Um, he did many things. Uh, one of his... Um, Ingress, for instance. Right? Indeed, oh. yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of his main... <laughs> one step at a time, gentlemen. <laughs> The, uh, the, the guns haven't been drawn yet, so rest assured. Um, yeah, so that whole kind of uh, uh, Ingress was the origin of many different uh, relational databases at the time, Oracle being one of them and so on. So it, it all comes from that same, same background. Um, and yeah, I mean, relational databases have obviously progressed over the years. They are not just uh, only relational data stores anymore, um, but again, we'll come to that later. Um, so, and they are you know, probably the majority of all, um, let's say, transactional systems in the world run on a relational database, I would say. Mm. Interesting. Over to you, David. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, what is the question? What is the NoSQL or where the NoSQL movement is coming from? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can puzzle this together, but <laughs> uh, let's say it this way, right? So originally there, there were traditionally already more than relational database systems in the, in the past, right? So I think even in the late eighties, we had hierarchical database systems and stuff like that, right? And then our, I would say late nineties, maybe, right? Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe even earlier object databases arised. Um, so it was not a new idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I, I think earlier, right? Um, it was not a new idea to, to actually our, let's say have our alternative models, right? And, uh, even if relational databases are based on the relational algebra, which kind of makes sense and so on, um, there, there's always this kind of, uh, uh strange thing that, uh, you need to kind of track the, 
the view on your data or, or by using tables and columns and rows and whatever, right? So meaning at some point, or I would say maybe 2008 around that, right? Um, there, there was the NoSQL movement happening where the, the basic idea was uh, to say, Hey, um, uh, instead of using a database system which aims to be a general purpose database system, which is uh, more or less the case for a relational database system, at least they are promising it. We will maybe see that during this discussion here that this promise is not entirely fulfilled always. Um, let's, let's have database systems that are more multi-purpose systems, uh, let's say, right? And, uh, such multi-purpose systems are, yeah, as the name is indicating, are, are good for specific purposes, but maybe not for other purposes in the first step, right? And, uh, with, with this kind of intent, intention are, we, we would basically have also different methods of accessing them. Are so for instance, uh, CouchDB is something I've worked with in the past a bit, uh, in the context of CouchBase. It's not the same, by the way, right? Uh, but CouchDB is a document database uh, system where you kind of index your data by defining our, uh, views, uh, let's say, right? Those views are accessed via REST API and they are kind of implemented by using um, reproduce, uh, let's say, right? So I, I would say this is quite a different way of accessing data versus uh, having uh, the are uh, the structured query language are, let's say, right? And uh, there are other systems as well um, that are falling into this category, like key value stores, are, um, yeah, for instance, Redis, which is much more than a key value store. We can talk about this later. But again, uh, the idea was, uh, yeah, are uh, have specific data stores that are, are fulfilling specific purposes, uh, uh, but rather than uh, the relation database system, uh, whatever better means in this context, right? Um, um, for those purposes, if this makes sense. Just to summarize, structured query language as an SQL implies that you have a predefined structure consisting of tables, and these tables are subdivided into rows and columns, so a user table, whereas a NoSQL doesn't have this constraint. It doesn't need fair? to have uh, the NoSQL. This is actually funny, right? Because initially, historically, as far as I remember, when I got in touch with NoSQL the first time, it actually really meant that uh, we are doing something not relational, let's say, yeah. so non-relational, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So the No was basically saying there is no SQL, but uh, <laughs> but uh, nowadays this is different, right? So the the No was kind of uh, reinterpreted or uh, in between, which means it is now not only SQL, ah, which means a, okay. a no SQL system or can actually have a query language. And it can actually be even a query language, which reminds very much uh, 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 about the, the structured mm. query language, right? So our, the, your summary was not entirely true in this context, I'd say, but uh, yeah. Where do you see these two ecosystems today in the light of shenanigans like internet or on of things like hipster languages hipster implementing languages. <laughs> implementing microservices and application monoliths being rapidly deconstructed so you have your ecosystem of applications all having different application uh, having different persistence uh, requirements and also different expectations of yeah. of the persistence layer which essentially a database is Martin, maybe you want to go first? Yeah, I think there was a couple of questions there, right? Um, Back yourself out, Martin, by all means. 
But uh, if we if we touch upon, uh, I guess, I guess your main your question comes down to, um, for which applications would you choose which technology? Um, in in short, so well, modern there? applications. And I'm not talking about modern it. applications. So, yeah, sorry. So, so, what's, what's a modern application? Uh, like <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything not being a general ledger that has been running on not, a mainframe for the last not, thirty not, years. Not, or in Java or <laughs> not, not being implemented in Cobol, right? That's... Okay. <laughs> I was going to go for Java I, myself. <laughs> never, never mind Fortran or Java. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, but the things like microservices, they're just the concept. So, what, which data store you choose, but you, you have a point about the persistence, right? If you, um, if data is temporary, then, um, you may choose to go with, uh, memory storage only, which again doesn't make any difference to the underlying database technology, whether it's a, uh, uh, Postgres or Redis, you can decide not to use persistence with either, right? So it's then because becomes temporary data because it's in memory, it's not persisted, uh, not durable, whatever you want to call it. So um, I don't think there is a, uh, there are obviously typical use cases for your database, right? Which is like with, you know, a relational, uh, call it a relational database, but they are typically used for transactional systems because of the durability requirement, um, because people don't like to lose their uh, transactions. They would like to have them in as many places as possible and ideally on something that is not volatile storage. Um, yeah, de depends on the use case, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. It, uh, depends on, or if it is session management, you might just, or live yes, with it's the fact that, by or, temporary data, right? Yeah. yeah, that your data is gone or whatever. Or, and, and there's also, or let's say. However, uh, however, however, uh, you can also just use Postgres in, in an in-memory mode only, for example. So then yeah. you're not really. Yeah, I'm not a Postgres about, expert, it's, but it's, I would. It's not really related to saying, "Oh, I have to have a key value store. I have to have NoSQL to store something in memory, right?" It doesn't matter which. which but it's all about which... efficient access, right? So, meaning, let's assume you have a memory okay. database system, which is a relational database system, right? And let's assume that you you stick with the relational paradigm by not by by not being able to bypass it, right? Because you're using a relational database system. So, what you need to do is, if someone is querying the data. Even if your data is in memory, right? Uh, you mm -hmm. need to kind of parse this query, right? You need to maybe, uh, or, or build a query execution plan, right? Or by doing some enumeration step, steps behind the scenes, right? Or maybe you involve some statistics about the data in order to find uh, uh, the, the best plan, blah, blah, right? Um, and Sorry, then our... Just, just a quick question for the two listeners who are not database experts. What's the what's the what's the query execution plan? Before we get so be, too technical, so so basically uh, there are multiple steps if you execute a query, right? So you give the query, which is basically the query string, and this query string is in the first step parsed, uh, let's say, right? And then based on the uh, on the the parsed or, or SQL, you transfer it in something more low level, and then you say, okay, fine. Uh, within my my uh, my steps, which I need to do, right? There are maybe some selection, there's some projection, there's uh, there are some index scans, or uh, in order to retrieve some data, there are maybe some low-level operations like merge joins or whatever, right? And uh, in order to efficiently fetch the data you're interested in, you, you need to plan how to do this, right? Uh, and uh, uh, the, the plan how to do that is the query execution plan. Right? Ah, okay. And uh, <laughs> this is something you build up front as part of the query execution. And if you have SQL, you get usually, even if it is a memory, 
all this overhead of doing that, right? And then at some point, as soon as you have the query execution plan, you would basically say, okay, fine, um, I'm now executing the query by scanning maybe some indexes that are in memory or whatever, right? And then uh, finally, you fetch your data. Uh, here in this case, Martin mentioned, okay, if it is a memory, it's a memory, then it's fast, but it's not entirely true. The question is how complex, how time how how big is the time complexity in order to be able to fetch the data from memory? And with the relational model, there's much more overhead involved than with a key value store because in a key value store, uh, you don't have a query you need to pass or you don't need to build a query well, execution plan. The only thing you need to do is true, you need really, to have an O of one, <laughs> you have an O of one uh, operation, which is basically fetching the data from uh, a kind of giant hash map uh, within memory, hmm. let's say, right? Well, well, program. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You see yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean that's that, that's the point, right? It's it's yeah. simple. And the other thing is, uh, uh, however, yeah. however, that I was just want to pick up on your parsing plan because um, clearly, uh, if you use a key value store, you also uh, execute a <clears throat> certain command, whether that's a, a get or, yeah, or whatever a, it is. Right? Get, it's, get it still has to be parsed. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like a SQL <laughs> query, man. And, and uh, no, but this, this is it. You are only retrieving one value, so in a SQL query, that would be one operation as well. Yeah, see. but Martin, there's no joins involved. There's no merge joins. There's but, no. But there's a, if you would use your SQL, <laughs> so let's let's assume you're right. If you use your, your relational database exactly like a key value store, right? Uh -huh. So if you have a relational database system and you do something like our select star from my table where uh -huh. this uh, column equals exactly that value, right? Yeah. Then there is any way more overhead than just doing a get key, let's say, right? Yeah, but select so star where, where, isn't if a you, get key, if you're right? In the that's, that's not the same, it's not the yeah, same it's operation. The same. Guys, no, one, it's, 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 one speaker at a time, it's, if possible. Thank you. Well, I'm basically disagreeing with <laughs> nah, but uh, okay, okay. Uh, I guess it's a single go, operation, right? Maybe, maybe I've it's just a single key operation, so therefore, a, a select a, star is a multi-row operation. Maybe, maybe I can no, call order but, right now. But the, but the thing, the thing is the following. Okay, let, let me let me kind of explain it step by step. Okay, the thing yes, is the following. Uh, as long as you if, stick if to you the facts. Have, if, if you have a pure key value store, if you have a pure key value store, uh -huh. right? Everything is an item, is a key value pair, which means mm -hmm. uh, the only way how you can access the data in a pure key value store is basically to fetch the entire data you're interested in by knowing the key already, right? Mm -hmm. So which, mean, which means that uh, your object or let it be an object maybe or something which was basically serialized or and then stored in the key value store is something like completely there as you need it, right? And the, the underlying data model, let's say, right, is so simple that you just need to do a get key and you get your value back, uh, whatever this is. Let's say, right? So now in the equivalent in a relational database system would be, okay, hey, or maybe your type is reflected by a table, let's say, right? And maybe you would like to have all the data which is associated to this. Maybe there's a user table and you would all have like to have all the user data the same way as you would maybe uh, fetch the entire user object if you basically do this get user demire whatever right mm -hmm. now are yep. in in relation database systems just an example you would do something like six star from our users right uh, where my user id equals 
dmyr, right? So now processing this query is much more expensive than just doing this get, uh, right, on the on the hash map. Processing this query basically means that you need to parse it. There is anyway a query execution plan uh, because it's a general purpose system, right? So you go through the entire stack, uh, let's say, and finally you fetch the data and give it, give it back to the client, but it's more complicated. And yeah, uh, in, in this example, you would do a select star or in order to fetch the entire user details the same way as you would fetch the entire user by fetching this serialized object or which is or, uh, in your key value store. Now, the thing is as well, right? If you use a relational database system, then relational database systems usually come are again with a, with entire stacks of processing data, right? There are there are multiple components that are involved. There are transaction managers, for instance, right, that, that are detecting dead logs of transactions. There are uh, they are doing maybe lock or uh, locking. They are maybe doing lock escalations or blah blah, right? Or there are index scans and so on. The the whole thing of or executing a query. So. Uh, in a, in a key value store, the model is such simple, uh, that you basically just fetch it by, by a specific key, right? That all of this stuff doesn't play a role in this context, right? Uh, the stack is basically not as deep as, uh, with the relation database system, I would say, right? And uh, this needs to be anticipated. So it makes a difference if you store your data in memory in a, in a relation database system versus a key value store in this sense and the other senses, or, and this, no, <laughs> let's say the last two sentences regarding this before <laughs> you talk, uh, <laughs> is basically the, the underlying our data model has an impact on our, let's say the, the scalability of your system, uh, right? Indeed, we are, if you use a key value store, pure key value store, we are only interested in fetching data by its primary key, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, this kind of uh, limitation in the first step is also giving us uh, a benefit of being able to scale this stuff, right? Because what we can easily do is we can easily apply something like a hash function on this primary key, distribute the data based on this hash function across many nodes, right? By being able to scale the reads and writes. Now with your relational database system, even if it is on memory, you can't do this that easily. Indeed, you can partition data, right, or, or in specific ways and so on by or basically defining logical partitions, but it's much more complex. And again, or if you would like to, to keep the guarantees of your relational database systems like asset compliance and so on, right, uh, which is something you compromise with key value stored in this sense, there's again additional overhead involved for something that's simple, like fetching a specific key or changing a specific key. So it makes a difference. It's not just the in-memory aspect, right? It's it's about the entire characteristics of the system and not just about its in-memory. So it doesn't matter if it's this system, which is memory, or that system, which is memory. And before we go even further, maybe uh, Martin could explain, because he's old school, what is asset compliance exactly? <laughs> before yeah. we before we lose our last listener or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, first, uh, I'd like to... Um, kind of agree with David because uh, the, the the thing about the memory piece was really about because Chris mentioned the uh, persistence piece really and you make a valid point that key value stores are simpler and uh, relational databases are generally more um, complex, more feature rich and they both they come with, with trade-offs which is fair. So if we then go on to the asset piece um, it, they are really a, a set of properties for um, uh, database transactions or databases that um, give you certain guarantees, right? Um, we talk about, um, say, isolation, right? Isolation, uh, if you have multiple users using the same database, they don't want to be able to see 
um, the others in flight transactions, things like that. Um, there is obviously durability guarantee, which is what the D stands for. So uh, if, uh, if someone does a database transaction, then it's guaranteed to be durable, meaning that if you have a power outage, then it is possible to retrieve this data. Um, and the other two are uh, atomicity and consistency, which again are um, really, um, you know, associated with, with relational databases. Um, you can only go f with consistency. Um, it's, it's really a state transition uh, that is always the same, right? So if, if we're going from one state to the other, then that consistency is the guarantee that that has happened as a single unit, that there aren't any separate, separate steps in between um, that, that can be interrupted, right? So uh, if, if someone writes, you know, uh, or uh, yeah, specifically with rights, this is relevant, right? If we are saying, um, I'm going to deduct £100 from your credit card balance, then uh, we want to know that that happened in one step rather than in two steps where it could have failed halfway through and you, you end up with... Um, this is actually paid. atomicity, right? Well, just saying. Well, what you just described is basically atomicity, right? So yeah, sorry, I, may, I, I moved on a little bit. But um, um, so these are the uh, the main characteristics that, yes, yeah. I mean, with, with, with a key value store, you can have durability as well. Um, which we know from 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 British. Um, I can't remember what Couchbase's um, or CouchDB's model was. Uh, yeah, but Couch the, Couchbase actually are are was originally more disk based, uh, right? So it's not exactly the same as Redis, where everything needs to be in uh, in RAM. But Couchbase are the uh, uh, initial one. I think they introduced in between another feature, which was diskless bucket or whatever, right? Uh, but initially. Uh, it was quite typical to evict our uh, data down to disk, right? So persistence was actually kind of uh, baked in, right? Going back to the controversial, to the absolutely controversial issue of an execution plan, uh, I might interject <laughs> that actually not every NoSQL database is a, is a key value store. Because yeah, you have graph databases, you have time series database, and all the rest of them, indeed. right? So indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, but uh, this was not the point, right? We didn't mm. talk about hey, this is only NoSQL or not NoSQL. But uh, the point, uh, our controversial discussion was about it doesn't matter which in-memory data store you're using. If it is a memory, it's always uh, as fast as if any other in-memory databases. At least this was what, what I interpreted from Martin's statement, and this is a wrong statement. No, no, right? no, 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 that was uh, not please, please. No, no, it's, it's because Chris but, uh, but this doesn't mean that there aren't other kinds of database systems, yes. uh, no database systems out there, right? Uh, but uh, their own specific characteristics beyond our... Uh, key value stores. Maybe one last thing about the our, our consistency, right? So consistency in relation database systems does not just uh, refer to, let's say, physical consistency or state consistency or whatever, right? It especially also yeah, or is, is well, logical yeah, consistency, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So what you do is you start from a consistent state or your transaction starts from a consistent state, right? And it ends in a consistent state whereby what this consistent state is is actually kind of well-defined by, by having constraints. So for yep. instance, or... Uh, referential and integrity yeah. or not null or whatever, yeah, right, so. uh, as constraints. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting mm -hmm. perspectives, gentlemen, but given the fact that 
now with the latest edition of mobile crazes and other interesting, fascinating use cases, databases actually have to scale planet-wide. Just mm -hmm. wondering, how do both camps scale up to that challenge? Uh, do you want to go first, David? Shall I go first? <laughs> well, well, that, well, that, well, that, well, well why don't you go, go ahead? I, 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 I you go first. <laughs> um, I think uh, what we've seen in the whole database landscape is that people keep adding to it. Um, and when you talk, specifically talk about planet scale databases, then the likes of Google and uh, Microsoft have built their own tech, right? Um, and yes, you can argue that other databases uh, may be able to fill that role as well. Um, uh, some better than others, clearly. Uh, partly due to heritage, partly due to uh, their their uh, uh, their premise of what they are trying to achieve. Um, but um, if you're talking about planet scale, then there's a number of factors involved, right? There's there's latency, there's consistency, there's uh, partitioning, uh, or there's the cap cap theorem. Um, mm -hmm. Isn't that right, David? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Very much so. But um, before we go any further, what exactly does the cap theory mean for 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 the for the people who do, who do not know? I think he's Professor Brewer these days, right? Maybe I'm wrong. At least doctor, yeah, anyway. Maybe. Um, so should I take this? Or Please, so, right. David, go ahead. So let, let's assume that or, so C is consistency, A is availability, and P is partition tolerance, right? Or let's assume that uh, the P is kind of a given, right? So if the if you have a network partitioning or event, then or the system is basically tolerating this by not falling into pieces, uh, let's say, right? So meaning are usually we are talking about AP systems versus CP systems, so available available and partition tolerant and uh, consistent and partition tolerant, right? So now. There, it's it's actually quite uh, interesting that the, the the cap theorem is often a little bit misinterpreted, right? Or, so at least I have seen this with customers a lot, right? And uh, I hope that I'm not misinterpreting it now, but uh, um, I'm pretty confident uh, that this is not the case. If I am, then or you or the listeners might correct me. But um, so let's say the availability is actually not just the availability in the context of if nodes are up or down or whatever, or if the system is highly available, this is kind of overlaying with this, but at the end, availability means the availability to to perform requests, right? A system, which would uh, basically always return an error, is not available, even if all the nodes are up and running, right? Um, so availability is the availability to be able to or execute commands uh, at the end, right? Consistency, um, that's, that's kind of... So, is, can, can I, so, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Um, on that subject, then are you... I'm just sort of clarifying for the listeners. <laughs> um, are we saying that if, if, a data, uh, if a system is up, then it's available, uh, no matter whether it, it can return? No, no, no. What I'm saying okay. is if a system is up and running, but <laughs> the clarifying. system would yeah. return you an error message for your request, it's not available to execute the commands, right? Which means okay. it's not available yeah. if it returns error messages. Okay. Only, right. Uh, even if the nodes are up and running, let's mm. say this is the statement. Or uh, okay, so let's let's clarify that this is the availability we mean, right? The availability to 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 execute commands, actually, to respond to requests, right? This is the availability we we mean here. Uh, the consistency are uh, refers to let's say state consistency, or let's say the observed state by by clients or. 
And uh, what helps me at least is uh, to imagine a distributed system in a sense as a black box in the first step, right? Um, so uh, kind of don't don't be interested in the first step how it is looking inside, right? Let's just look at it as a black box, right? And then there are multiple clients or connected to this black box, and inside they. One client might be connected to node one, another one to node three, whatever, doesn't matter, right? So let's say multiple clients are connected to this black box. Now, uh, what's important is um, that if multiple clients would request or a specific data item at exactly the same point of time, right? A system would be consistently behaving, right? If all the clients are getting exactly the same result, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereby in an AP system, it would be tolerated that some of the clients get another result than other clients, right? Um, so now, why is the cap theorem easy to prove uh, in a sense, right? Uh, let's imagine you you have or uh, just two nodes in your stateful distributed system, right? And so let's say node one and node two, and let's assume that uh, you have a single client here in this example, right? And the single client is writing is performing a single write operation to to node number one, right? In addition, node number one is aiming to replicate the data to node number two. Right. So now, uh, again, setup is client writes to node number one, node number one replicates to node number two under normal circumstances. Now, what we have need to have now in order to make sense out of this, it is a network partitioning event, right? Uh, let's say someone cuts the wire between node one and node number two, right? So the client is performing the write operation to node number one, right? Node number one are, is now basically not able to reach node number two, right? Because node number one is not able to reach number two, but it aims consistency and aiming consistency are basically means or that are, are you still there? Yeah, 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 there. yeah, so a- aiming, aiming consistency <laughs> are basically means that or the state on node number one and the state of, of, on node number two should be the same, right? So meaning, but here under this network partitioning event, node number one mm-hmm. is not able to reach node number two, which means that node number one, if it aims consistency under the circumstance of this network partitioning event, right? Would ne- need to communicate an error to the client, right? It would need to tell the client, Hey, or, I can't unfortunately reach the desired consistency level, right? Um, so error, right? So meaning, uh, if it is a CP system under the circumstance of this network partitioning, it, it would basically be not available, right? So uh, this is because why you can can only have either an AP or a CP system. Let's assume the system are are is more available than <laughs> consistent, right? Or behaves available instead of consistent, then it would actually not care about the fact that it can't replicate the data over to node number two. It would basically just accept the write operation by acknowledging the write as successful to the client and would eventually sort the the write the replication out later, right? In this case, the node number one or the system behaves are are available, right? Because it responds to the request uh, and, uh, but it's not consistent, right? Because it can't guarantee consistency without ensuring that the data is basically the same on the, all the nodes, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hope this makes sense. Yeah. Well, hopefully not uh, a too screwed up explanation of the cat theory. It, it right? does to me. <laughs> does Martin, what about you? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that's uh, all good. Um, not sure if we answered your question. <laughs> 
What, what was the question? The question yeah, was, what, what is the cap theory? Like, I, I, yeah, I, so. I think that was a pretty good description of the cap theory. No, yes. there was a question before that. Yeah. Yes, so. indeed. What was the question before that? Uh, <laughs> I'm blanking. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were talking about flat scale databases. Yes, indeed. Scalable databases. It's been a long day on, on the on the database yeah, road. Um, <laughs> I think Martin said something very yeah. interesting and useful there, which was basically that uh, latency is playing a role across geos and so on, right? And uh, the thing is that our Especially if you have a, a high network latency between two regions, or let's say, right, uh, because of physics, just because of physics, at least mm. before quantum computing is maybe in vogue. I'm not sure if this solves it, but it sounds like it. Um, that will be uh, next the, week, right? Yeah, maybe. Uh, then then uh, it takes a while to transfer a state from A to B, right? And uh, let's say if you have a planet-scale database and you aim for consistency, then as just explained, you would typically need to have synchronous uh, replication from from one side to the other, mm -hmm. right? And this synchronous replication would basically uh, have an impact on, on your performance, your workload, right? Because then um, your client would basically need to, uh, or yeah, the, the let's say our source side or target side if it is active active it's bidirectional but uh, you will basically are uh, need to to are uh, replicated over before you acknowledge the client right and uh, given that the performance uh, from the client's point of view would be impacted which is the reason why most uh, planet scale database systems are, I would say are that are want to operate at scale but well, might be a question of requirements are voting more for availability over consistency by doing asynchronous replication uh, across uh, geos, let's say, Act right? Just, just for our dear listenership, active, active, of course, meaning that if you have distributed clusters across the planet, each and mm -hmm. every each and every application accessing their own cluster instance can write to said cluster instance independent of the other ones. Um, exactly, you can write and read from each side. Or exactly. Yeah. Whereby an active passive, or you can only write uh, to. Uh, let's say the the source side, uh, but optionally maybe read from the target side, right? By, by. So, given the latest craze about uh, Netflix streaming services and all the rest of it, which clearly demand a kind of planet wide scalability, and probably a streaming service is not the best example, but you get my drift. Mm. What do you think? Which approach would scale better? The old SQL stuff that has been around for the last. 50 years or this no this newfangled no sequel thingy used by the hipsters with the long beards and rust and python programming language or whatever yeah as mentioned before right um so we we are voting or in this case for scalability over our uh, scalability and availability over consistency are uh, often right doesn't need to be the case there are also no sql systems that are behaving consistently A again they are multi-purpose system systems uh, it's it's not really the case that you can say that no sql system or whatever right what you can say is or uh, there are different flavors for different purposes uh, and uh, at least for for something like document database systems at planet scale let's say or key value stores at planet scale or level as mentioned by you, right? I, I would say it's most common to do our uh, asynchronous replication across sites, which means that we we kind of favor availability and scalability over consistency and relational database systems uh, traditionally are, yeah, uh, 
vote more for consistency uh, in this context, right? Because they want to be asset compliant. So, Martin, does this mean that SQL has had it, has had its day, as in it's dead? Not really. I think uh, as um, uh, David or you described the use case is, is the Netflix use case, for example, is um, you know if you are um, uh, connected to your local uh, Netflix instance, wherever that may be in Europe or the US, um, you don't really care <laughs> if your US instance also has uh, the same data, uh, unless the Europe instance goes down and you get redirected to that. So this is a slightly different scenario from a, um, uh, you know, there's always the, the financial application, right, where um, consistency is more important. And yeah. so there are, you know, you can solve the first problem with lots of different technologies, um, depending on which which consistency model you choose to use and which replication model. Uh, so yeah, it's it's not. Yes, there are more. Um, I think what you're kind of aiming at or <laughs> trying to get to is that um, uh, the scalability of a NoSQL. Uh, not a NoSQL. Yeah, let's call it NoSQL. Is easier because of the uh, the way the data can be partitioned. Um, Some But maybe, yeah. Martin, do you really think that after the imminent zombie apocalypse, credit card transactions will matter anymore? <laughs> what matters then? Uh, I mean, uh, Netflix, <laughs> just asking, of course. Right? Netflix, yeah. Netflix. And how do you to pay distract Netflix? yourself? Uh, how do you how do you pay for Netflix then? Uh, just you asking. Okay, good. Uh, you heard um, it here first. Netflix will keep running after the zombie apocalypse. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I mean, we we did have a little fight here, right? So initially, and uh, maybe for no reason. A technical discussion was, comes to mind. It, Sorry, it, it, it was it was anyway fun. But uh, let, let's maybe state that uh, it is not a direct competition anymore, anyway, right? Mm. Because what what uh, was already mentioned by Christoph at the very beginning is. Are microservices, and if you talk about microservices and uh, having your application as a distributed system by itself, right? You anyway need to to kind of take some trade-offs into account regarding scalability versus consistency and so on, right? Or availability are uh, taking into account as well for your entire system, right? And uh, the data store is one one puzzle piece there, an important one, right? And uh, a common pattern in microservices is to say, okay, um, the service each service uses or each microservice uses its own data store, right? And the second idea is if each service uses its own data store, right, then it should use the data store, which is the best fit for the service, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, the best fit is a relational database system. And maybe the, this is true for, for something like financial transactions because relational database systems are good in that, right? So they have something like money data types or, for instance, or by not dealing with uh, something like floating point numbers with specific precisions, but are exact values. They have our asset compliant transactions are completely are serializable and so on, right? So meaning for something like a money transaction to use a, use a relation database system, maybe not the worst idea, right? So, but um, in, in your distributed system, which is, uh, uh, let's say, um, having a bunch of services in order to offer you the application, there, there are other services with uh, 
other different kinds of requirements, right? Uh, another service might have much, much higher scalability requirements, right? Uh, and uh, what is the benefit of having a service which can scale um, uh, tremendously, right? But the data store can't scale together with it, right? Because it becomes a bottleneck because it needs to sit on a single machine or there, there is across a few machines or a lot of overhead to do the transaction management and so on, right? Uh, so you get into trouble regarding the scalability criteria, which is uh, in this case, uh, maybe more than just a non-functional requirement. So what you need to do is you need to data store, use the data store, which makes most sense for that. And, uh, for instance, if you manage sessions, you would end up with a key value store. Maybe if you have a product catalog, you would maybe end up with uh, something like a document database uh, system. If you do network analysis, right, so finding optimal flows or shortest paths or uh, dealing with social networks or whatever, maybe a graph database is the best choice, right? Uh, because it uh, allows you uh, efficient traverses, traverses without scanning indexes, uh, right? Um, uh, which is not guaranteed by relation database systems, right? So me meaning, meaning or uh, the idea is choose the right data store for the right kind of service based on your requirements. And in this context, it's not actually a competition, right? Uh, they are, are living uh, kind of as creatures together uh, in the same or uh, kind of microservice architecture, right? Reminds me of the land-based dinosaurs and the, and the thing kind of we're now looking at called birds one of them survived one didn't no i'm joking <laughs> martin anything you want to plug in a nosql world <laughs> uh, by the way are we talking about new sql as well or just new sql and, uh, and relational right just asking david david anything goes just go for it yeah, I mean, no, I entirely agree. It's, uh, there are uh, better fits for certain uh, technologies. Certain technologies come with better functionality, like a graph database, as David mentioned, for example. Um, document databases, fine. Um, again, these are, these are application type databases. We haven't even uh, discussed the um, the OLAP databases at all so far. <laughs> go, Martin, you just go for it. There. So I think what we've concluded so far is that um, in general, NoSQL databases are uh, better scalable. They are, uh, in case of a key value store, um, lower latency because of the reduced amount of um, transactions they need to do, whereas your um, relational databases are more multipurpose and have, therefore, some overhead in various places. Um, and some benefits in terms of acid, uh, et cetera. Um, but, um, yeah, if, if we talk about, so, so these are all, um, let's call it transactional databases, right? Where you're talking about application, Netflix is, uh, planet scale, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, people also use databases for analytical processes and reporting mm -hmm. and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Um, and yeah, in, in that case, the, I would say the majority of all the tools out there um, are still very much SQL-based. Uh, yeah, relational. Yeah, call it relational. The, you know, your uh, yeah. long, BI tools. Cut a long, your, yeah, to cut a long story short, as long as their mainframe is around, SQL has a place. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, nobody uses a mainframe, apart from uh, <laughs> 
no, and the few no, no, main, main, main films are, really are matter, clearly no, transactional, really. right? This is um, so, so <laughs> you could argue that they're in the um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, but if we talk about I, main I films, think, they're, they're, they're monolithic in 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 uh, in build, right? They're one single great big computer where scalability doesn't work apart from making it bigger. <laughs> um, so well, from that point of view, they're in the same camp as the or. Most of the relational enemies. Martin has a point regarding the analytical stuff, right? If you look at the analytical tools or right now, and they are also more traditional, let's say, right? There is a transitioning happening mm -hmm. from, uh, let's say, something like that, uh, or it's not actually any any more true, right? Uh, it, it did swing a bit back, but anyway. So if you if you think about analytical stuff, right, the tools you're using in order to access this, or in the past, or early 2000s or whatever, they were called business intelligence tools. They were reporting tools and everything there was talking SQL, right? Uh, because SQL is, is perfect for doing some expressive queries on your data, right? So group by aggregations, blah, blah, right? And, and there was actually even, um, or still is a, a trend to do the same on, uh, let's say more modern or uh, analytical systems, but this is also not fair, right? Because they're, it's a kind of coexistence, <laughs> but uh, let's say, or let's take something like Hadoop, for instance, right? Hadoop or initially was, okay, fine, we need to do some long running analytics and uh, we, we just kill the problem with iron by having our tons of compute nodes, right? Stuff, distributing yeah. or distributing the workload by using a pattern called MapReduce, right? So mapping, basically filtering, extracting or mapping uh, data to, uh, uh, to other data and then basically reduce applying the aggregation in the next step and then maybe re-reduce across the nodes and so on, right? So so meaning uh, meaning um, th this kind of was was a pattern used uh, for a while to do analytics, right? Which was beyond SQL. But uh, um, as far as I remember, the trend was actually like, hmm, now we have a Hadoop, we materialize mm. our analytical results back into the Hadoop distributed file system, right? Or we store it somewhere else. <laughs> but in order to explain have expressive queries on that data. It would be cool to have something similar <laughs> to SQL, right? And then yeah. uh, there, yeah. there were basically frameworks arising that uh, translated SQL queries into Hadoop. Uh, uh, so yeah, it was jobs, just the, the, the right? storage layer. Hadoop yeah, uh, yeah. distributed file system is the storage. Uh, Hadoop itself was basically also the compute layer, I would say, right? But uh, this yeah, so, so, was so, then so, some solutions uh, bypass the whole uh, compute layer. They just went straight to. Just yeah, or even that, right? Or, or there were basically then also query engines on top of that, mm -hmm. or yeah. Hive, for instance. I think Hive translated into our into basically MapReduce jobs that we're running, right? Uh, but then are uh, fetching the data again. Spark has something similar, right? Uh, some something similar, right? So as as a kind of maybe successor of Hadoop in a specific context, right? They also had a query language uh, in order to to be able mm -hmm. to do our more dynamic querying on the data. And so on. Yeah, there were things like like uh, Apache Hawk and, and Impala that would just bypass yeah. the whole MapReduce um, uh, process and just use the, the HDFS file system. Um, yeah, anyway. or yeah. something like something like that, right? Um, mm. Anyway, so the the thing is the the thing is uh, SQL is useful, right? It's it's not completely useless, and it's it sometimes makes sense to express stuff as as SQL and even no SQL database systems, as mentioned before, are uh, have have SQL like languages. Xentra uh, has uh, CQL, I think, uh, which looks like SQL without joins or. 
uh, Couchbase uh, as a document database system has uh, Nickel, uh, which is uh, like a SQL for JSON, uh, which has joins and is also allowing you some some group buys and so on. Redis uh, is having as a, as a module Redis search, right, where you can basically define indexes. It supports automatic indexing. Good, the, the query language doesn't look exactly like SQL, but uh, uh, it looks also like an expressive or uh, mm. uh, query language, a little bit more like Lucene, uh, let's say, right? So so meaning uh, a lot of NoSQL database systems actually have uh, some some query languages or uh, in addition as well, right, for, for being able to do some analytical stuff. But uh, Martin is right that, uh, let's say, the more traditional or BI stuff is, is using or, yeah, um, SQL, <laughs> in, in in a sense, uh, right to access it. Uh, there are some abstraction there. So you could, for instance, uh, use Presto as a project by Facebook, right, which is a kind of distributed query engine which you can put on any kind of data store in order to to bridge this gap of SQL for analytical purposes, for instance, right, uh, by by referring to whatever data store you have a connector for, right, and uh, and query the data out of it or the the SQL way, uh, just as an example, right. Um, yeah, um, and and there is indeed another aspect that uh, this traditional approach, uh, let's say, there again, it's a coexistence, is also kind of uh, yeah. There are other approaches, well, Hadoop was one which I mentioned before, but there's also now this this whole field of let's say our artificial intelligence, machine learning, right, where it's about our, our processing data in real time, building models, right, or and you can say this is also analytics, right, and uh, the toolset is completely different than the traditional BI toolset, right. Uh, so you're using something like Jupyter notebooks and more to get insights to your data instead of uh, doing some some reports in our whatever Tableau. Or, uh, whatever you used with SQL in the past, right? So it's it's not. Uh, I'd say the statement is in general true, but not entirely true, uh, because there there are a lot of a lot of facets regarding it. Now that our opponents have completely switched sides, apparently. <laughs> Maybe no. Nah, nah. It's, a, no, no, it's no, just no. a fair. It's just it's a fair, fair and ba balanced uh, view from both of us. Yeah, 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 it's, it's just a fair statement. And, uh, and and by the way, I would not see. I would not say that D one is is uh, is possible without the other, right? Um, so I it's see. it's it's kind of it's kind of uh, uh, so that it's kind of common nowadays. To not just have, say, "Hey, I have my analytical system there, and I have my real-time database system mm -hmm. there." It's actually often a combination of everything, right? So, meaning, what you have is uh, you you do your speed processing or real-time processing, and you do your analytical processing. And applications often basically incorporate both uh, uh, aspects, let's say, right? So they combine the 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 analytical aspects with the real-time data, or they basically even do predictive analytics or uh, based on on models that were derived from our uh, from let's say deeper analytics or uh, current real time uh, data flying in right so it's it's not like uh, yeah there is this analytics world and there is the operational world actually modern systems are are, are leveraging everything uh, to a specific degree right yeah as we are rapidly approaching our far our four hour mark with regards to the length of the podcast <laughs> maybe it's now time so i'm 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 of course only joking maybe now's the time for some final thoughts on the subject 
Really? Are we already done? Well, maybe I talk too much. <laughs> no, 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 not at all, David. Not at all. No, we should keep the uh, the duration of the podcast to I think four hours, given the fact that we're now stretching to five. We could, uh, we could touch it a little bit on future, right? It's, it's yeah, the future exactly. IBM mainframes will are, are here to stay. <laughs> uh, so is IMS DB2 alongside. Yeah, no secret databases have their place. And thank you for listening. Joke, go ahead. <laughs> um, Martin, go yeah. ahead. Shall I go first? All right. So, uh, I mean, uh, anybody following the um, database world will see that there are constantly uh, people innovating, um, mainly, uh, well, both in, I would say, both in the analytical side and the planet scale side, as you call it, Chris. But, um, uh, there are innovations in, uh, let's say, the the, the way they are architected um, are happening. There are innovations happening in the way they use uh, hardware or scalability. Um, and I think, yeah, so in short, <laughs> it's a constantly evolving um, uh, uh, scenario. But um, as you can see, the... Uh, relational database is here to stay. NoSQL databases are here to stay. The graph databases, um, yes, they have a very good uh, uh, piece of functionality and use, uh, but then I wouldn't call them mainstream as such. I may be doing them some injustice. No. No, Martin, sure if, it's, if it's any consolation, Richard has just deposited an undisclosed amount of bitcoins in <laughs> our account, so you're free, <laughs> you, you're, you're free to pluck your employer if you want to. <laughs> yeah, so we are in the analytical space, so that's that's really our our domain. Um, and we, we use GPUs to accelerate database workloads, so it's clearly a hardware um, Play um, or play. That's good. It's, uh, uh, making use of hardware um, innovations, right? So, if uh, as you mentioned, quantum technology comes along, I'm sure someone will come up with a quantum technology database uh, after that. Um, E-Wave, well. if you're listening, uh, yes, the address is sponsored at LinuxInlaws.eu, and we do take bitcoins. Yes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> David, go ahead. I'm not sure. Maybe I should mention that the grumpy old quarters are taking bitcoins as well, right? Invent an email address now, right? So. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Um yeah, I I mean GPU stuff and so on is actually are I think are a good point or sounds like something which are is really useful. Um, in the future, or but uh, yeah, I I personally think that there is a convergence happening in the in the market. Or so, and uh, what I have seen over the last years is that uh, let's say um, relation database vendors desperate, desperately try to to add additional functionality to to kind of uh, keep up with the NoSQL vendors because they are disrupted by the NoSQL vendors. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. but it's uh, but it's it's not exactly the same, right? As mentioned before, um, you you don't just turn a relation database system into a graph database system because you offer a graph API. In the same way, you don't uh, turn it into a document database system by by just uh, allowing uh, to to do some SQL, which involves some some JSON path queries, right? Uh, that's not how it works, right? Uh, because at the end, it's all about uh, efficient access or, uh, uh, for specific purposes and so on. And I think um, the the convergence is not happening just from the side of the relational or 
um, let's say side, but also from the NoSQL mm. side, uh, yeah. let's say, right? Uh, NoSQL vendors are, are adding additional functionality as well, right? Uh, for instance, uh, new consistency models are addressing something like asset transaction compliance or better than before, right? Uh, but the difference is that the approach of a relational database system is more, I'm coming from a system which is promising you to be general purpose by, by kind of having all this overhead and this huge package I'm, I'm uh, carrying with me, whereby on the other hand side, the, the idea was I, I'm, I'm coming basically with, with a much lighter package and I'm now basically allowing uh, others in a, in a controlled way to, to add additional functionality, right? And this additional functionality is uh, then optional uh, and not may, not mandatory in, in, in a lot of cases. A good example, for instance, is uh, Redis. Um, in Redis, uh, there there are modules, right? Uh, there's a module which is adding querying, indexing, full text search. There's a module which is adding uh, uh, a graph engine uh, and uh, also Cypher as a graph query language. There is a module which is adding time series functionality, right? And you're not enforced to to actually use it in any any way or even to carry it around, right? You can decide to deploy this module or not to deploy this module by gaining specific functionality or not gaining specific functionality. And at some point, there will also be the, uh, and I think Redis Raft was already announced during Redis Conf, right? There will also be the possibility to do our, let's say, our CP system like stuff and uh, maybe at some point even our, our different kinds of transaction management and so on, right? So meaning there is a, there is a kind of run happening uh, between the NoSQL systems that are, are kind of becoming more and more flexible by, by a, by aiming to to fulfill more and more purposes without being general purpose systems, whereby you have on the other hand side this uh, this relational database system, which is kind of saying, "Hey, I'm a general purpose system, right?" And I'm I'm just off promising whatever you need by by actually uh, carrying a lot of uh, heavy weight around. Uh, well, for no reason. Right? Yes, uh, yes, and no. <laughs> um, uh, um, some databases have that carrying around uh, principle, but database like Postgres have a, a similar module approach. So, um, like, uh, you know, pluggable uh, column stores and pluggable geospatial yeah, extensions. Yeah, I, I get it. But the API, right? So the difference is that uh, with the Redis module, uh, you get basically a different API for dealing with time series or then or doing search or whatever, right? The module or comes with a data structure and uh, let's say an API, which gives you efficient access to, to this data structure, whereby uh, in a relational database system, and I would say this is the case in Postgres, I didn't double check this, I would say uh -huh. uh, whatever you plug <laughs> in is is on a is on a level uh, which involves anyway some of the of some of going through the stack, right? So it uh, it will have more overhead than just basically going to the low-level API, it's, it's, which is exposed a, by uh, Redis. Uh, yeah, modules, that's right? correct. They are uh, plugins. Um, that is not complete new pieces of code, uh, as you say. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, so from that point of view. Uh, but you're right; they're both converging in both directions. Um, I would agree. Uh, and I and my bet is my bet is that our NoSQL will long-term win this, right? But, 
uh, that's just my bet, uh, and it's really just a guess. But um, I, my my well, opinion, yeah. and maybe we can close it with this. Or yeah, my yeah. my bet is Nozick will win will win this convergence battle, and uh, I guess uh, <laughs> your bet is that uh, sequel will will still be around in uh, fifty years or whatever. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I mean, probably the best. It also comes down to the uh, the the type of use cases. I mean, not everybody needs a plan scale database, so. Um, therefore, uh, a multi-purpose database is far more suited, so they don't have to learn ten different technologies. For example, I mean, on this on this conversion thing, the the last statement is actually something called ToroDB, right? That takes the Mongo Wire protocol and maps it onto Postgres engine, which is probably the best example for your for your proof in point. Hmm. Uh, the details, of course, will be in the show notes. ToroDB, if you're listening, if you're looking still for for a sponsoring slot, contact us at sponsor at Linux. Just shameless, man. David, that's the way you do it. And don't forget to listen to grumpy old coders. Yes. David, our email address is sponsor at Linux. There has been more than a wonderful two hours, maybe three. <laughs> Any closing remarks for the next 60 minutes before before we close this podcast off? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm shutting up now, right? Uh, otherwise, <laughs> no, 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 Say thank you for inviting me, right? Or uh, and listen to Crumby Old Quarters. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you very thank much, you, David. <laughs> thank you for your time, David. Much appreciated as usual. <laughs> and uh, looking forward to having you having you both back at some stage. Uh, Martin, any any final remarks from the from the um, from the dark side in terms of the old <laughs> old dinosaur world of sequel? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I Before mean, we, this uh, off. if you're talking about all the dinosaurs, you keep mentioning the main friends. <laughs> it should probably not mention dinosaurs. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was a good discussion. And, uh, I think David and I agree on, on many things on this. <laughs> well, I mean, people don't get confused. I mean, if you just take a look at the, at the commit history of something called Postgres, which is probably one of the most popular SQL databases, it's still up and running in terms of it is still alive. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Still, right, still. Now After I'm not, what, I'm not, I'm not going to buy it. And can still be more popular than Redis, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I, I want to apologize to all my friends at Ingress, by the way, right? For... <laughs> you have friends at Ingress? <laughs> yeah, indeed, I still have I worked there for a bunch of years. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, maybe one last uh, thing, right? One last thing, right? Uh, so actually, there's a new... And I'm not kidding. I mean, it's self-promotion, but anyway, I'm, I'm doing it. You can cut it out if you want. But uh, there is a new episode of Crumpy Old Coders are coming up. And the only reason why I'm mentioning is uh, this is because uh, Christoph reminded me when he said uh, uh, the dark side. Uh, because the, <laughs> the episode title is is this time the dark side. And uh, this is about, uh, let's say, or and I, maybe this scares people away. But uh, the topic is, is this time a little bit less technical. <laughs> The topic is actually a serious one. The topic is more about, um, yeah, let's say mental health issues or, or struggles and challenges or in the context of the dark side, right? Uh, in, in the IT and software development business, right? So, uh, okay. not, not a funny topic anyway, or 
I, I had the feeling maybe this is something which can be discussed in a, in a podcast uh, together with Thomas. So oh, uh, if you want to to hear our opinions, Thomas, or so the other crumpy recorders and mine, right, then yeah, stay tuned. We will publish it soon. Absolutely. Thank you. David, thank you very much so, for, for yeah. participating. Thanks, and it David. has been a pleasure as usual. And as I said, I'll, um, we'll get in touch one way or the other. And I'm really looking forward to having you on the show with together with Thomas at some stage. Yeah, sure. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. This is the Linux in-laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay for the madness. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Tab attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margo, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under Creative Commons at Gemando a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. Any questions before we start the podcast? Yeah, what is it about? Just database systems, I, I guess. Or, or is you have a... been, yeah, you have been volunteered, David, to represent the NoSQL side of the house. Whereas mm -hmm. Martin, given his age, is actually representing the SQL uh, part, and I'm just doing the moderation. That's all. Ah, okay, fine. Uh, we, we an easy and one no, said, it's yeah. no, no, it's not a battle. Very important, but just a discussion. Fight, fight. fight. Yes, yes. You see, David, this is something that we do want to avoid. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, Martin! Oh, forgot. I, I forgot. There's a ground rule. We you cannot mention Postgres. <laughs> In that case, we can't mention Redis or uh, Couchbase. Or Redis or Couchbase. It's okay. Guys, anything goes. This is, I mean, the, the show is not as explicit, so you can swear if you want to. <laughs> Martin, if this whole RT thing doesn't work out, just take a couple of Udemy courses and you're fine as a politician. <laughs> Rest assured. I don't need a course for that. <laughs> I'm talking about the fine-tuning now. I'm not talking ah, about the okay, basics. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR is kindly provided by anhonesthost.com the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.